super excited for today's episode. We have Dana Montgomery on. She is my friend and teacher and just an incredible leader overall. Just impeccable woman of purpose who leads through purpose. And I really wanted to talk to her about that today. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. I do want to say before we get into it, that this is the first time that we've done video with this podcast. So Dana and I jumped on a Zoom call. I'm recording this on Zencaster. The world is our oyster. (laughs) And I'm just excited to be able to show you visually the conversations because I think it might be a little more engaging for people who enjoy that. So if you're listening wherever you normally get your podcast, you can head on over to YouTube. It's just my name, Star Jerry's, and I'll create a podcast playlist of all past episodes eventually, but this one will definitely be there with Dana. It's the creative strategist, and as we continue forward with these podcasts, I'll just continue with this video format, and I think it's going to be great. So thank you all for, for joining us today. Let's get this show on the road. to the creative strategist. Every episode, we learn from fellow professionals, leaders, and entrepreneurs. From purpose to product, leadership to lead generation, this podcast runs the gamut on all things business. We get full perspectives from people who put in the work every single day. Whether they are at the helm or behind the screens, pushing the pixels or developing the strategy, I can't wait to learn with all of you. Let's get started. We're recording. This is real. You guys are going to love Dana. Like, she's amazing and such a great leader. And we just have so much to learn here. I'm so excited for all of us. I'm pulling up my questions right now. <gasps> there you are. Oh my God, we're twinning. Oh, I'm so excited. I have maybe 12 different sweaters that I just rotate in my house. Oh, yeah. Same. All the time. I realized one day that I posted four different stories with four different sweaters. Oh, amazing. You got to go through it. There's nowhere to go. So there isn't. (laughs) Like this. Let me live. Yeah, exactly. For me. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited. I am too. I'm super excited. Reading the questions made me even more excited. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this stuff. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. And you're just, I I know how humble you are, but you are such a great leader and you care so deeply about the people that you lead. And I can like speak from experience. Yeah. So I just think you have a lot to teach us. Of course. Um, all right. So I'm just going to read your your bio really quickly. Just to introduce you, and then we'll dive right into these questions. So uh, Dana helped me by giving me a little bit more of her background, because you can know someone for a really long time, but still not know all there is to know. So let's start from the beginning. Dana Montgomery is 23 years old and of Hawaiian, Portuguese, Japanese, and Scottish descent. She's been doing Polynesian dance her entire life and describes herself as being the humble director of Lay Polynesia. I love that. A little bit about Dana's background before we get into her interview. Dana started dancing at two years old. 
From a young age, he loved dancing and drumming and has danced in numerous professional shows and competitions. She has traveled throughout the U.S. as well as to Tahiti and Hawaii to perform and compete. Her first Ori Tahiti solo competition was at the early age of eight years old, and she placed first at nine years old at the San Jose Tahiti Fet Tahitian Solo Competition. Since then, she's competed and placed numerous times. She started dancing or started teaching dance at 16 years old. I didn't know it was that early, so I'm excited to ask about that. At Lay Polynesia. She fell in love with choreographing, and by the time she was 20 years old, she was the lead instructor, choreographer, and creative director. She credits her parents for giving her the pathway to perpetuate the Polynesian culture and her Hawaiian heritage with humility and love. And Dana is such a phenomenal woman and leader. She leads with a grateful heart and feels blessed to lead our group. And I can say that because I'm a part of it. I love that. Continue what her grandparents started. I know. I'm so grateful. I asked Dana to write this for me and I loved the way she ended it. I think it just sums up her incredible humility and love for her family and dancing in one single sentence. This is what she wrote. My parents have taught me to lead with love and welcome everyone into our studio with open arms, just like our culture does. The Polynesian culture isn't just song and dance. It's family. Oh, so good. All right, so now that we're all warm and fuzzy, <laughs> um, I'll start off with some questions. And, and mainly, I just want to ask you about being a leader because you've taught me so much in oh, my- so sweet. Of course, in my time of knowing you. So um, knowing you for almost four years now, I've learned that family really does come first. And I would love to just open it up for you to tell us about your family, your grandparents, your parents, and um, your time as performers, entertainers, and educators. Yeah, for sure. So when my grandparents were probably towards like the tail end of them leading our group, I was like two or three years old. So the second I was born, really, I was just born into it. My parents were teaching. I would be like walking around the dance room and we started in, in our garage. So my grandparents had their studio and then my parents also had one as well because they lived in Long Beach. So we had one down here. So we were, they were like simultaneously teaching classes. So I would be walking around in the in our garage while classes were going on. So that was just how into the culture I was. It was just my everyday life. We'd go to school. My parents would work because they're regular teachers during the day. So we'd go to school. They'd go to school. We'd come home. It'd be like an hour. We'd get a snack, get something to eat. And then we'd go to the studio until like 10 o'clock at night. And that was our life for basically my entire life. It was just go to school, the studio, school, studio. Saturdays and Sundays were shows or rehearsals. And that's just, I think, why my passion is so strong. Because that's that's really my entire life was just that. And growing up, my parents were really, really big on us being um, a part of the studio, but with everyone else as well. Like we, we were all family. Like in the studio, we call everyone like auntie and uncle like hula sis, brother, right? Even if yeah. you're not even related at all, that's just what everyone's called. And for me, it was so strong because we were there with those people every single day. Like I saw the same people for like 20 plus years of my life. So we became such a strong unit, not just my family, like my immediate family, but everybody in the studio. So I think growing up, that's kind of where our family unit kind of like vibe and sense in the studio came from. 
was our family was always like that. They always included everybody that came through our doors. Our family was there every day. So it was like, okay, now you're kind of coming into like our second home, you know, and we're just like kind of welcoming, welcoming you into our second home. Um, and it was probably one of the best childhood experiences ever. I loved it. I mean, it was so much fun and it taught me so much about family, the importance of family, because you're living it. You know, you're a lot of kids, they're not with their parents all the time. You know, like they go off and play sports. That was my sport. I was so I was like, yeah. I was with my family all the time. And it was um, a blessing. At times, like when you're younger, you don't think about it that much. But I think about it now. And I'm like, that was such a blessing to be with my family, my two brothers, my younger sister, my parents, my grandma and grandpa, like when they retired, they would come down to the studio and they would watch us and hang out with us every day. So it was um, definitely different, but a good different. I really like that. And I think there's something about creating too. And I've experienced this with my friends and now, you know, my Hula sisters and just anyone I've ever shared a show with or create creativity with. I think there's this deeper bond because you're like sharing something so personal when you dance, right? Exactly. And it's, it's not like we're doing hip hop or something that's like pretty general, you know, like Polynesian dance is kind of a small community you know like the people that know about Polynesian dance are a good amount of people you know when they say oh I've been to Hawaii before I've seen a luau things like that but the people that actually like you were saying like that create that dance that are in it that are part of the culture it's a deeper bond like it's a community that you form and I think it's not so much the dance itself it's the the vibe and the yeah. um, friendships that that you make like I've known like Uncle James for example and Uncle Neil right like they were the first people ever to play music with my dad and I've known them since I was two years old so they're not just oh uncle whatever it's like that's like my family because we we do something together that's so unique that I can't compare to anyone else and it like you said like it's just a deeper bond can't really explain it but it's just something deeper yeah, it's great. There's a lot of layers to it, you know. I feel very like privileged too because it's also a cultural thing. So, yeah, and we'll we'll get to that too. I did want to give you a chance to touch on your um your grandmother and your grandfather uh, and their their history with entertainment. Yeah, okay. Their story is so so beautiful and exciting and fun. So, <laughs> they both lived in Hawaii. My grandma lived in Oahu and then my grandpa lived on Kauai. And they, like my grandpa, he played music his his whole life, um, was a musician. He loved to drum, loved to play guitar. And then my grandma loved to dance. And her dad was actually a Hawaiian musician. So she loved to dance. He would always play music. Um, And then they both moved here in their 20s to Long Beach, which is funny. Like they met here in Long Beach instead of in Hawaii. So they moved here. They met each other. I think it was at, it was some like, like Hawaiian themed club or something she was performing there doing a show and he was just there with his friends and they met and they started dating and then like during that time Polynesian entertainers they would go and tour so like there wasn't really um like Polynesian dance wasn't really cultural during that time it was more of like an entertainment thing and so they were both part of like the entertainment business she would go and do shows and then 
he would get the same gig and he would play music and they would travel and they would go everywhere and perform. And she was, I mean, like not biased, but she was amazing. Like she was one of the girls that like in her twenties that she would get called every show and she would go and perform and he would follow her and he would go and do the same gigs and play music. And like, you're talking about that bond. I think that's why they were so close. They were married for 50 something years, I think. And I think that's why the bond is so close because they did something and they shared something that nothing could break or that no one else could relate to. So they toured, they, they went together like Hawaii, Las Vegas, Utah, like all these different places. And then they got married. I think it was like their mid twenties. They settled down in Long Beach and they had kids. So because they couldn't travel with their kids, they decided let's just open up our own like Polynesian entertainment studio. And so they opened that up in, I believe it was like 1961 or something. Wow. I have to double check, but it was over 55 years ago. They opened it up and they did it in their garage. So they had my auntie Yvonne, my uncle Greg, my dad wasn't born yet, but they had two kids and they were running a studio in their backyard. Their house was like a two bedroom, small little house. And then they would run classes in their backyard and in their garage at night. And they did that for a while. They would go and tour and do shows and stuff and bring their group. And my dad kind of had the same experience I did. Like he'd go to okay. school and then he'd come home and he would, you know, perform or drum or whatever, go to class in his, in his garage. So, so cool. their story is so cool. And I think <laughs> it's so unique. Like you can't, you can't find that anywhere else. Like it's just such a unique story. Yeah, it's really, really special. And um, one of the first times I danced with the group that I'm in now at the studio was for your grandmother's, your grandmother's funeral. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was really, that was really special too. And our families are so intertwined. I didn't really realize that until we came to the studio and we started, Mm -hmm. I mean, over the years. Oh, you know, oh, you know. (laughs) I know. So. Yeah, it is really such a small world. Um, Okay, so now that we've talked about family and that being, I mean, such a a backbone of the studio, and I kind of knew that's what you were going to say, I did want to ask you, with that in mind and that being really the heart and soul and the heartbeat of the studio, what do you think, including that, is really just a key a key to being a successful leader, like having that family element in there and and knowing that that's really where you start from. What do you think, you know, trickles through that and becomes the success? Yeah, that, okay. So that question to me, I feel like has so many layers because what I thought was a successful leader when I started is different than what it is now. And I like how you said like family being a backbone, because that's number one. That's To me, that's just how I lead is through love and through um, like acceptance, knowing that everybody that is here is is family and I'm going to treat them like that. Um, But also being, for me, transparent and vulnerable, because as a leader, nobody relates to anybody who's perfect. And so trying to 
be the leader that you think you should be, meaning like you're super strict and you enforce things and you're not their friend, you're the leader and this and that. And you know, you don't have bad days. Every day you're on, every day is good. Nobody relates to that. And in the end, people want a leader that they can relate to, they can look up to, and they can see struggle, but get through it and come yeah. out on the other side, you know? So, you know, not saying that you have to be, you know, like sad or whatever all the time, right? To be a leader. It's just, you want to be transparent with the people that you're leading, letting them know like, hey, I have bad days too. And this is how we can get through it. And especially with, you know, the kind of leading I do, it's, it's all out of love and passion. Like dancing is all about the passion and perpetuating the culture. Like, so for me, it's, it's more of, if you're here, then let Oritihiti, let Hula, let that heal you. Like, let that help you. And I'm here to help you along that journey. But, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be like this picture perfect leader that, you know, like I said, never has bad days or anything like that. You just want to be real with the people you're leading and let them know that you're there for them. Really. Mm -hmm. Because like through my years, I've just learned that majority of the, or yeah, majority of the people that are there, they obviously want to be there because they want to learn, but they also want to be there because it's some sort of relief for them. And it's some sort of like, like deeper meaning to them. So you don't always have to be that strict reinforcer all the time. You can just kind of be that sense of relief for them. And I think that helps a lot because they know they can rely on you and they can lean on you if they need. Yeah. It's so interesting because, and we'll, and we'll get to your timeline in a little bit. I know we already mentioned it, but I didn't realize when I started in the elite class that that was one of your first years of really taking over choreography, um, taking over being the lead instructor at the studio and I but like not knowing that and then looking back now like I have noticed such a change in just the way we all relate to one another as we continue to get older as we continue to you know get wiser and and seeing you change as a leader too has been really inspiring to me and I am one of the older gals in the group I mean now we have a lot of the ladies and we're combined but coming in exactly like you said, it was a lot of us are extremely driven and we want to work as hard as we can for you. I think you know that. But a lot of us too, like we work our jobs and then we come because we just love it. And it is that relief. So you have a very interesting position. It's like business, but it's also life. So what I heard from you just now was be authentic, still like give your all but that humanity like you can give your all but not always have the smile on your face face right or not always be the most energetic or whatever and that's more from your guys's perspective for me like I I used to judge that a little bit like oh my god if they're not smiling or this and that am I doing my job are they not happy or and I would go in this cycle you know, thinking, okay, I'm not a good leader, I'm not doing enough. And then I realized, okay, if I was in their shoes, like, and I had a bad day, I just came from a job, had a horrible day, I just want to come here and relax. And if that means that I'm not having a smile on my face, that that's what it means. You know, it doesn't mean anything less. And I've learned that over the years that not everything Mm -hmm. is what it seems on the outside. 
you know, and to not completely judge that because like when I started teaching Seuss at like 16, it, that was like from 16 on, I was more of the teacher. I hadn't been in the student position for a while. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get, you forget like, oh shoot. Okay. I was just like that too. You know, when I was a dancer, I was like that too. So it makes me happy that, that you, you see that yeah. I've changed a little bit because I, I think as you get older in general, if you don't change, then that's almost weirder, right? Than if you do, because you right. evolve and you're, you're learning new things. And if you're not learning from what you've done in the past and you're not really evolving. So, um, yeah, I think just leading with love and honesty is really for me, the key, because like I said, nobody wants, or nobody relates to anybody who's perfect. So just being your authentic self and being empathetic to what other people go through, regardless of if they tell it to you or not. Yeah. And getting through those bad days together. Like you've never asked us to like push through something that you wouldn't do on your own, you know, like, and I think a group of women, um, or, you know, when we, when we, we dance with the boys too, but like, mostly it's just us ladies together. And as we build and get stronger together, it just is like these pillars holding each other up. So it's exciting. Yeah. I love that. That was such a great answer. What'd you say? You have people to lean on, which is amazing. You know, like that's that yeah. bond. You go back to that, right? It's like, if you're having a bad day, you come to class because you know there's other people there that'll just make you feel better. And they don't even have to say anything about if your day was good or bad, right? You're just there. Yeah. And the vibe of, <laughs> of the whole class and everybody there makes you feel better. So it's a pretty awesome thing. Absolutely. I love that. Um, all right. So I think we, I think we kind of touched on it, but having that vulnerability and that leadership and that group atmosphere and just the authenticity, um, how do you think that's cultivated itself in other parts of your life, like other relationships or other teams that you might be on, or I know you're going to be an educator eventually. How do you think that's helped you? It, no, it has a ton. It's, it's helped me in my personal life a lot, actually realizing that it's okay to not be okay all the time. You know, Um, I was actually just talking to uh, one of the aunties at the studio about this, about her daughter. And I was saying, you know, in high school, and then you're like your year right after high school, it's all about who you hang out with, who you fit in with. And you know what I mean? And then you get out of it and you kind of start to realize that's not really who I who I am or who I want to be, but you kind of just do it because you think that that's what you're supposed to do. Same thing with how I used to lead. It was like, I thought that was what I was supposed to do. So I used to always try to, you know, be, be perfect and not make a mistake and this and that, but it, it never did anything for me. If anything, it, it was like a disservice to my students and to myself. And so I've learned that in my personal life too. Like it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay not get the best grades it's okay if a student of mine like you know when I'm teaching at the studio and then also when I'm observing for my um, teaching credential it's okay if I don't know the answer right away like that's that's normal that's fine you're okay it happens to everybody figure it out and you'll and you'll be okay same with like the pathway I'm on a lot of my friends are not on the same path as I am or they've done things before me or they're doing something different and I used to always think, oh, is that what I should be doing? Because they're doing it. And I realized, no, do what 
you feel is best for you, be your most authentic self, be honest with what you want and why you're doing it, it'll be okay. It'll turn out okay. It's not always about what you think you should be doing, you know, especially with social media nowadays. It's like so easy to compare and to see what you should be doing when in reality you're probably doing everything fine. You're just comparing or, you know, you're not being authentic. So that's, I don't know if that answers a question, but that was great. I think it just helped me a lot to be more myself, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's more what, what it is. I've just learned to be more confident in me and who I am and what I believe in and what, what are my strengths, you know, and to not always feel like I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so easy to play the comparison game, isn't oh God, it? All the time. Oh. And it's so hard because you don't want to, but you like, you subconsciously do. And of course. yeah, you have to uh, like, I don't know, you almost have to stop yourself before you start thinking those things, you know, you're like, okay, wait, I'm going on the wrong path. I'm fine. Everything's good. Yeah. Because, well, one, we don't actually, we can't actually see, right. If we start to compare, we don't really know what's going on over there. Is that grass really greener, but we can know what we love and we can pursue what makes us happy and it might not make someone else happy, but for us, it's great. Exactly. Exactly. Such you never a really good know answer. what's going on. Everything you just look at is from the outside. You know, so right. there's no but you like you said, but you but you know exactly what's going on with you and, and how you are and what you are. So yep. just focus on that. So good. This is kind of a, a quickie question that I've always wanted to ask you. We talked about you starting at 16 as a, a teacher, and I I think of every hobby <laughs> or every career as kind of like, I always think of Bambi in the movie when <laughs> you're first learning to walk and you're kind of sliding yep. around a little bit and it feels uncomfortable. And then before you know it, you know, you're running. Yeah. Um, I was just curious what that first, what that first class felt like and, um, and how you would describe you feel now that growth. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy to think about 16. I mean, the first class I ever taught was actually the elite class, which is like the advanced ladies, like the most advanced and like hardest class to teach. And I didn't even really teach the class. I just kind of came in and my mom said, do you want to choreograph an Otea, which is like a routine? And I said, yeah, sure. Like I'd love to. I was so excited. And so I came in for the class and I taught it. And I remember being so nervous because I'm 16 the elite class, the youngest girl in there was 16. Everybody else was 20s, 30s, 40s. So not only did I feel out of place, I felt like I didn't have, you know, their respect and not in a bad way, but just like, oh man, I'm not good enough. You know, they're so much older. They know so much more. Hmm. They're expecting so much more. So it was nerve wracking. Um, I did it. And looking back, I think, I've grown so much from the way I approach it because when I used to choreograph and I used to teach, I used to do it a lot differently than how I do now. I didn't used to plan ahead of time. I didn't used to think about, you know, how many dancers are going to be there? How should I line them up? I did everything spur of the moment, especially that first class. So 
of course the dancers were so sweet you know they knew auntie Lori was right there they knew i was just coming in to teach a class so they were so sweet but it was a little hectic because i didn't really know what i was doing in the sense of how to manage the dancers i knew the routine i knew how to teach it but sometimes when you know how to dance it your explanation of it is not always how they're going to understand it right. and so then when i'm teaching it and i'm like oh, well, you don't, no, 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 it's like this. You don't get how to do that step. You don't know how to do this. I take it on me like, oh, shoot, am I doing it wrong? Am I teaching it wrong? But it's not no one's fault. It's just you have to figure out different ways to teach it, different ways to approach it. And so that first class was hectic because I was didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how to adjust, you know? I didn't know like, oh, man, she's not understanding it the way I'm saying it. How else should I explain it? Um, but it was... Like when I ended it, it was so exciting. because I was like, I know I want to do this again and again and again and again. It wasn't like, oh man, I'm over this. You know, I don't want to do it anymore. I loved it. Yeah. So it was nerve wracking and, and scary, but it was good. And the rest is history, right? Yep. I'm going to. even trusted me at 16. I was like, you sure? Hey. Like, you really want me to do a class? Yeah. Um. In In the ladies class when I first started, and that's like where I entry level, you know, began. Um, I remember two gals coming to teach us from the elite class. And I think, I think they were like 16 at the time. And honestly, my thought was like, oh my gosh, I better soak it all up. <laughs> yeah. They must be amazing. <laughs> you know? So um, it's funny perception, right? Like from, from sure. my point of view, you're like, go girl go and then in our own minds we're like oh no oh no but that's just that's totally human that's so yeah. funny in, in anything that's how it is you know yeah I'm gonna try and um I don't know if I'll cut this part out or not I'm gonna try what happens with gallery view that's me but I um I think that was such a good answer and so much fun to to see like progression and just you being so comfortable and explaining things so well and um yeah time time is amazing <laughs> and it's weird for me to think back on I'm like okay how did I used to teach like I know how I used to teach but to think back and like what did, how did I teach like that like it's so chaotic it, it was so not the way I wanted it to be but you know when you're 16 when you're 16 you think you know it all and you think you're like good and you're fine yeah. And then you look back and you're like, you were not good and you were not good. <laughs> <laughs> but you were great for who you were at the time. And then now you're great for who you are now. And then it, we only get better. I'm I'm just going to keep believing. <laughs> I think we only get better. Speaking of time, what do you look forward to most as you continue along your path as an educator, a leader, a performer? What's the most, when you look forward, what excites you the most about the next five, 10 or 15 years? I am so looking forward to watching my dancers grow and seeing them continue to grow, not just as dancers, but really as people. Like that's been the most exciting and um, rewarding thing I have ever experienced is I have seen dancers from when I started teaching at 16 all the way until now that have stuck with us and been with us. And even people like you who have only been with us for what, like four years, five years, yeah, just that time being able to watch them grow because Oritihiti and hula, it's not just dance. It's like a personal lifestyle. 
And what it does to you as a person is it helps you grow and it makes you better in a lot of areas. It helps you realize a lot of different things, try new things, challenge yourself. Um, That's what inspires me to keep going, honestly, is just watching you guys grow as people on the inside, grow as dancers. And for me to have a part in that because I'm able to watch that, you know, and if there's any way I can help and be some sort of guide or whatever in your dance journey is the most rewarding. It's so rewarding. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I could definitely see, I could definitely see how that's so incredibly rewarding. All right. Um, Short and sweet question to sum it up, or maybe let's go to the Instagram questions first. I'm very excited about these. So we put it out there on social media because Dana and I hang out with, you know, a lot of the same people nowadays <laughs> on her Lay Polynesia site um, or Instagram. She put out a question box just for folks to ask her questions. And I thought some of these questions were so profound. So we're going to read a couple and Dana's just going to rapid fire answer these. Okay. First question was, how has dance been healing for you? Oh, so many ways. I think one of the biggest ways it's been healing is the community that you build when you dance. The friendships, the lifelong family relationships that you make with people, and that deep bond that you form when you dance, it's it's so healing. Because like we were talking about earlier, right? You have a bad day, you come to class, it's not necessarily what you're dancing, it's who you're dancing with. And those people can just heal your spirits. And for me personally, some of my hardest days have been right before a class of practice, I don't want to go. And this was when I was younger. And now I didn't want to go. But every time the second I would step into class, it was like, joy just filled up in my heart because you can't be sad when you're when you're dancing especially with people around you who have the same exact passion when there's live music when there's live drumming there's just this mana like this energy that you feel that heals you and um you know like at my grandma's funeral we all dance and just in the polynesian culture that's how you heal through song, through dance, whether it's sadness or happiness or frustration, whatever, right? You just dance and it heals you. And it, and that was another thing I said is it's been a way for me to express myself without any form of judgment, you know, and it's been a healthy way for me to express myself because I'm able to do it without um, feeling like I'm doing something, you know, wrong or whatever, you know, I'm just dancing and it just heals me. Yeah. I, that's such a great answer. I think we've all had times where we're standing outside that door, you know, and whatever it is, you just leave it outside because you walk in and the music's good and the people are happy and we're about to just move. Like what a lesson in life, right? You get into these moments where you're like, I don't know if I can take a step forward. Like, I don't know where to go from here. And then just to walk into a place where you, you literally just move. Yeah. Yes. It's special. It's super special. And especially yeah. this year, that's, I think that's, this year has taught me more. Oh yeah. 
dance and what it can do because this year is literally a year of like trying to heal you know and trying to get better and dance has done that for me oh 100 percent. yeah this year has taught me a lot <laughs> a lot yeah about <laughs> the power of of this family for sure all right next question what helps you push yourself on the days you can't seem to get out of a funk oh my gosh I loved that question because Good one. I think so many people are in a funk and so many people have bad days. They just never show it or they don't, you can't tell. And for me, it's just knowing, like for, for me, it's knowing why I dance. When I dance, it's not because I want to win a trophy. It's not because like I'm competitive and I want to, you know, I want to perform and do that. I dance because I love it and because the connection it has for me to my culture, my family, um, that's why I do it. And those those bad days and you're in that funk, like you just got to push through those days because everybody has them. It's not like you're the only person that has a bad day. But just push through and don't be so hard on yourself about dance itself. Because for me, like when I have a hard day, the reason I don't want to dance is it's like, ugh, I don't want to dance. And then I'm not in shape right now, right? Like I don't look good when I dance. I'm not, my technique isn't strong. I'm just not doesn't matter like it doesn't matter how you look when you're dancing just move like you said just dance and push through those rough days that will get you out of the funk sitting in the funk and like letting that take over you is not going to do it you just push through yeah 100 percent. and this whole conversation we've been talking about dance so much because it's the one thing we can relate all these things to but if you really tear this conversation apart leading with authenticity, caring for the people that you're leading, um, starting with why, like all of these things are really basic foundational concepts for just being a good leader. And for also, you know, like any sort of endeavor that you're encountering, that you're gonna, any journey that you're about to embark on, like you always go back to your why. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And doing it because you love it. No one ever yes. succeeds at anything because they don't like it. You know, you have to find what your passion is and lead with that. If you're passionate about it and you like it and you love it and you like that's yours, there, I mean, there's nothing that'll stop you. You just have to continue to push through and it'll, it'll work out. Yeah, that's great. This is a good one. In such a competitive environment, what advice do you have for young girls? Oh, yeah. I love this question. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, right now is hard because kids these days that have like social media and every solo competition out there is now on YouTube. You can go watch every solo dancer on YouTube, right? It's so hard for them not to compare and be competitive. And I always tell our young dancers and I tell like the elite class and everything all the time. It's like, don't compare. Your journey is your journey. Where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. Obviously, you don't want to be complacent, right? Or you don't want to expect to be great if you're not practicing or anything like that. But don't compare yourself to other people. Be confident in your style. Be confident in your teachers and what they're teaching you and be confident that you are enough and you can get there. And from there, that's where you can start to compare yourself against yourself. Like every competition you do, you should be saying, did I do better than my last one? You shouldn't be saying, did I do better than that girl next to me? 
because at the end of the day, yeah. you're just constantly comparing. You're never looking at yourself, which is really who you should be comparing yourself to is you, you know? Right. Um, but for young dancers, I think it's really understanding that hard work, dedication, and patience will get you there. Looking at other videos and comparing and all that kind of stuff is not going to get you there. You yeah. really have to find that within yourself to want to be better. And at a young age, it's so hard, but hopefully with like guidance, they can, you know, have some pathway to follow. Right. And it should just be fun too. <laughs> it should be so fun. I mean, yeah. like when I used to compete, I think there's maybe one video of, of like when I used to compete, one video of like any dancer during that time, because that wasn't a thing. So when you competed, it was like you competed and it was fun and you did it. It wasn't like, oh, you competed and now it's going to be all over YouTube and you can go and compare. And no, it was like you just did it because it was fun. And like, am I a competitive person? Of course, but right. I was never competitive because I wanted to beat someone else. I was competitive because I wanted to be better and I wanted to be the best I could be. And if you're not having fun also, they're going to know. You can't, you can't fake it. <laughs> you know, like when you're out there and you're dancing, some of the best dancers are the ones that are just smiling from ear to ear the entire time. You can like feel their energy and their passion through or the screen, which is like all the virtual comps now. <laughs> like back then you could just like feel it from the stage, you know, and if you're too competitive, they can feel that too. Right. Where like you're not doing it for the passion and the culture. You're kind of doing it selfishly. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. What you said about competing against yourself, like not resting on your laurels, like pushing yourself. But also instead of thinking, I have so far to go, I have so far to go. I just heard someone say this in a sermon, actually, but it was instead of thinking of how far you have to go. I mean, acknowledge how far you've come. Yes, 100%. I love that. That's such a good yeah. way to put it. Because so many times you look to what like what you want to be and like where you want to go, when in reality, you've come such a long way, you should be excited about how far you've come. That should like motivate you that you can keep going. Yeah, so it's really that's fun. That's a good um, way to put it. It was such a... It was such a nice, succinct way. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to express what you're, what you're feeling inside, but yeah, totally. yeah, that one got me. I'm so glad. Um, okay. One thing to sum it all up. I'll just ask you a short and sweet question. So if our listeners were to walk away with anything from our conversation today, just like a little blurb for them to remember, what would you want it to be? Um, okay. I think it would be to find something you're, deeply passionate about that you really really love and something that you think can change other people because maybe it's changed you and it's helped you and do something with that and lead with that and whatever you decide to do if it's something that you're passionate about do it out of love don't do it out of any other reason um because for me with the studio that's what I've found is that it's something that I love and I'm so passionate about. And if I'm able to, to share that with other people, then I've done enough and I've done my job. 
So just find something you're passionate about. It'll all work out. It's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be something that's just going to happen. But if you're passionate about it and you love it, you'll find a way. You'll find a way to push through and you'll show up every single day grateful for what you're doing. And that has done so much for me to have something I'm grateful for, you know, and it's also something that I love. So it just, it's a blessing. That's great. And we all love you for it. So thank you for leading us with so much kindness and grace and humility. On and on and on. (laughs) Of course. Um, Before we go, how can people follow along in this journey? How can people connect? So our, we have an Instagram and our and a Facebook page, just Le Polynesia, one word, all lowercase. Um, so you can follow us through there. That's like our business account. Um, and then my personal is Dana underscore Montgomery. And it's just all lowercase too. So you can follow me on there too. Um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, that's kind of where we're at. And then if you want to visit our website, you could go there too. Contact us. It's lepolynesia.com. Pretty simple. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. I should say mahalo. (laughs) Thank you. This was so much fun. This is awesome. Gosh, Dana's podcast was so inspiring. It's just really, really special to get to talk to business owners who are so purposeful, whose business is soulful, and it pushes beyond profit, beyond product, beyond service. And it really is something that is deep and meaningful. And for Dana and her family, Lay Polynesia is just that. You know, their careers as, as teachers are that. And I'm inspired. So I'm sure you are too. If you have any questions for us, you have Dana's social media, so you can reach out. If you have questions for me, you can always contact me at Star Jerry's on my Instagram or head on over to starjerrys.com. There's a contact form on there so you can say what's up, say hi. I always like making new friends. So definitely connect. Anyway, until next time, love you guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to The Creative Strategist. Head over to starjerrys.com backslash The Creative Strategist for notes on today's episode, information about upcoming events, or to nominate a guest for the show. Don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks again for hitting play. See you next time, creative strategist.